0: pray right. gracious father uh, take this time um, and speak do I pray make this your word a living word um, uh, helpful in Jesus name amen, amen. Um, it's good to see everybody it's a uh, uh, kind of a high mark there's a lot of good classes today so um, we'll mention uh, thank you very much Gary you um, they're available online, Fred is doing his story, that'll be great, I think, in the Dean's class, and then uh, two parenting classes, if you're interested in that, with Joe and and, uh, and Cameron, so all that's always available, usually on Monday, Monday afternoon, if you want to go check those out. This is the first of a, of a very short series, a three-part series, which has become um, a short series uh, uh, on the Gospel of John, more specifically three passages or stories in John. Today, out of John 9, the story of Jesus healing the man who was born blind. Very interestingly, um, this is the only instance in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus uh, heals someone where the the emphasis is on birth. The man was born blind. Um, Others may have been born blind, um, or born lame, or crippled, or mute, or whatever else, but this is the only one where it's emphasized with that. I think the implication there is relatively obvious. It's just that that this was um, uh, this was deep. It was long seated. Um, this wasn't sort of a uh, you know it'd be easier to. Uh, sort of fake a uh, relatively recent blindness. You know, you might be in cahoots or something like that. But, but this guy was known in the community that you no, know, since this kid was an infant, um, he didn't have any sight, and so, so he turns that around. That's that's this week. Next week's Lazarus, and then the week um, afterwards, it's probably going to become something of a combination between Malchus, who's the name of uh, of the slave that Peter, very interestingly, carrying a sword. Um, the night uh, of of Gethsemane goes up to the slave and he cuts off his ear. Uh, Peter does, and then Jesus reaches over and he heals it and then uh, and then it's taken off and so we'll probably look at that as well as Pilate because the thread here was my thought in this, and this happened one morning, I think when I was um uh, exercising, just had this thought, you know there's these times in the gospels where everything just seems to really turn on the word then, and then Jesus went. So and so, and then he spit upon the ground, and he made clay and he wiped it on the man's eyes and then he spoke, "Lazarus come forth, and there's this real sort of drama if we were directing a screenplay, we'd really build up to that to that that pregnant pause and then that was my thought. Um, I think the class is going to go a little bit off that direction, but but there's definitely an and then this, and the word actually appears in each of these stories to see where it goes. And that's the idea of of this, this short series. Leap takes us up towards Lent. Um, again in John, um, Jesus has an especially peculiar way of dealing with individuals. Um, that's one thing I've been thinking of this week. It's in John that we learn uh, almost character profiles. We learn a lot about you know, Doubting Thomas, for instance. We wouldn't know anything about Thomas, but we think we have this whole sort of character study or a psychological profile of Doubting Thomas. Pilate, the same way, um, would we'll look at that the last week. Um, we learn individuals' names, like Malchus. I mean, what a throwaway character, but he's elevated as an individual. And there's really some some pregnancy in the moment where Peter steps forth and draws his sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. And is like, Right there, um, Nicodemus in John 3, doesn't appear anywhere else, and we hear lots about Nicodemus. John of the Gospels, and it's very intoxicating, um, is the one that really slows down at a snail's pace. It's definitely the contrast to Mark, which he just runs through to the cross. and there's this breathlessness to Mark, and it's always, and straight away, Jesus, and straight away, and straight away and straight away and straight away. John is the opposite. It's like, let's stop. And let's really elongate the moment. And there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of detail, um, and just a lot of uh, a lot to take in. And it's, um, for that reason, uh, difficult, but also immensely rewarding. The Gospel of John, for the uh, for the NTs in the room, if you're into Myers Briggs, uh, John is your gospel. This one really connects with those intuitive thinkers, and that happens to be me. Um, so the emphasis on the individual, Nicodemus, the woman at the well, or the woman of Samaria in John 4, the woman caught in adultery in John 8, all of these are exclusively in John. And here in John 9, there's also this man blind from birth, where he spends an entire chapter, 41 verses, uh, uh, in, 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 in uh, talking about this one individual, this man born blind, who never has a name. Um, it's very interesting. So, backing up and sort of as an introduction, knowing full well that this introduction may in fact go um, take up most of the class, as I'm thinking about these pivotal moments and interrupt and make any comments that you'd like, um, these, uh, these and then moments in our own life, and then the phone rang, and then the doctor came in the room, and then my boss blank, um, and then my child. You know, there's all these and then moments. I say all these, really, there's there's not that many. In a, in a span of a lifetime, most of us don't have that many of these sort of and then moments. Now, in the course of a day, and then I went to the copier, and then I went to the coffee, and then I went and got some more coffee, and then I got some more coffee. You know, there's always and then, but those aren't the ones. It's the it's the ones that are really. Sort of the moments that define, that sort of, are active on us, and we're back in that passive tense that I'm always talking about. And these moments read us more than we interpret or read these moments. And so I'm trying to connect into that here in these classes um, to get us to think, what are these times? What are these pivot points? You know, that that place of a fulcrum where I once was, but I now am. Um, These moments that define who I am uh, relative to my history or even my family's history going all the way back. Who am I? It's these moments of of and then. Um, it could be a victory of some sort. It could be a, uh, a positive event of some sort. And I am going to say something about that, because I think those are the deepest, and I think they're also the ones that some lives, in fact, never experience. Um, that's tragic. Most often, I think it's the negative events in life which... Um, Tend to define us. Um, these pivot points, these and then moments. And I'm fond of always looking to the market psychology, the stock market, or investing, or whatever else, because it reads human nature so well. The market is just human nature writ large. Um, uh, how do you respond when you get a uh, a pay raise? You're you're happy. You're you you're pleased. You're elated. You, you may go out to dinner at Highlands even and celebrate. But if that same percentage was cut uh, out of your salary, how do you respond? Um, It's not just happy. Uh, It's not the opposite of happy where you're kind of sad. For most of us, it cuts us to the core. It goes all the way down. Um, And it would uh, would begin to question all of who I am. Um, I'm not enough. Or I've been an imposter and found out. Or anger sets in um, because my value and my worth is not recognized. Whatever else it's going to be, the uh, the negative always trumps the positive. If a stock should go up 20% in a week, that's good. If it goes down 20% in a week, that's suicidal. You know, It's that kind of stuff. Um, and that's well documented. Uh, a lot of us probably know that in our own experience in life. And it's no different in the way that these and-then moments work elsewhere. Um, We fear loss more than we desire the gain. Um, We fear losing more than we want to win. I just want to say we fear. We fear more um, than otherwise. Uh, I think of our children and our fears of what will happen to them one day. Uh, That's where life really rests. Um, I do have hopes for them, um, but am I so unusual my fears are really what keeps me wound up. You know, what's going to happen to them? This could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. And all those thises, they're all negative. You know, my fears are where I get sort of bound up. I don't think, and this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. You know, these dreams and hopes, and they do some, you know, but that's not where it really sort of winds me. Um, it's these fears. And then I live in fear. And then I... I uh, I dread, I dread these pivot points. Um, there is the other side. There are these positives. And as I mentioned, uh, I think they're, they're very rare in life, in fact. Um, I do think there are lives that are lived in their entirety. And these moments never come. Um, these moments of and then, and it's a windfall or an unexpected reprieve or a grace given, or um, at some level, a, uh, an affirmation or an acceptance. Um, you know, the hospitals are the, the places where most of us find definition a lot of ways. When the diagnosis that you feared is, is, uh, is not given, it's uh, you're given life again. This is definitely Jean Valjean, um, uh, you know, because that conversation from that class has continued among many of us. Um, where there's this unexpected mercy or this grace or this acceptance that does come. Theologically, we call this absolution um, or forgiveness when we're absolved, when our sins are taken away. Uh, but I think in just sort of day to day life, this usually comes off as some form of a yes, um, just an acceptance or an affirmation, uh, or a. Um, it usually comes off where. I realize that at the core, this is very so psycho y but you know, take take it for what it want, what you want. At the core, it's not something that I do or didn't do or whatever else that's accepted and affirmed. It's really who I am is taken. And I think that's um, definitely on the heels of Joe's sermon uh, that I heard, uh, that we all heard at 9 um, on on 1 Corinthians 13. There's this sense of... Uh, the experience of being accepted, more than that, the experience of being loved, because that's what we call it, is love. Um, this experience of being loved without any compulsion, any manipulation, without any duty attached to it, with uh, this experience of being loved uh, when in fact I fully know that I am unlovable, um, when I know all the reasons I shouldn't be loved because I live in those fears and I'm loved anyway. Now that's a pivot point which can actually change Everything. That's when life turns on a dime. Um, uh, someone coming to you out of duty, you know, what is that? We we, 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 we we want it. I still, you know, come here and sit on my lap and give me a kiss. You know, they do it. Well, you know, it's great, but is it really satisfying? I'm thinking about that Eddie Murphy. Gosh, if you were raised on cable like I was, um, not delirious, but uh, yeah, maybe it was delirious, where he's writing this red about tight leather pants. It's like Aunt Bunny. Remember Aunt Bunny? You know, he had to come, oh, I had to kiss Aunt Bunny, you know. You know, love out of duty, out of compulsion. It's, uh, it's awful. It's awful. It's awful for everybody. There's a lot to say about sex in this, but, but I won't. Um, to, 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 to be loved out of some form of obligation or demand or control or what we would call the law, it's always unsatisfying, and it always comes off as a no. The contrast of being loved truly, uh, in fact, in full sight of who I am and still loved. Now, that's the sort of thing that can change everything. Um, This is why quid pro quo, and I'm going to move on, really doesn't work so well in a marriage. Let's just talk about marriage for just a moment. Quid pro quo, this for that, the Latin for this for that. You do the dishes, and uh, I'll cook, and you do the dishes, or, you know... um, uh, you do the inside and I'll do the outside. and We've always got this arrangement. You, you know, I'll earn the money and you kind of raise the kids. It doesn't work. Um, why? Because it's just a pre-breeding ground for resentment and bitterness and anger and despair because love is keeping a record of wrongs and it can't not not do that. And we're just stuck in this inability to, uh, to ever see things as they actually are because I always want to tip the scale in my favor. Um, so the quid pro quo, this sense of, 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 of love being sort of a 50-50 op- proposition, it never works. It never works just because at the end of the day, I am being loved out of some form of duty or control or um, uh, obligation just to keep the scale on some bound. And that's, that's not going to be satisfying. Um, It could be a financially beneficial arrangement, but it's not going to be love that changes us at that pivot point that we all yearn. Um, Popped up in my playlist this week. I want you to want me. You know, that's actually a cry of the human heart. Um, I want you to want me. Um, uh, You know, not, not... I don't want you to want me because I want that. I want you to want me completely and utterly on your own. Take me, um, because that's what my heart cries for. Now, this is, of course, just other language for the gospel. Um, For God, uh, who knew no sin, made him to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God, where I, in full sight of, as God knew me exactly who I was, he loved me anyway. And that changes everything. That's this pivot point. And we're going to find that in these um, in these stories, I think. Uh, last part, um, I thought of Johnny Cash as I was thinking of this, too, in his song, Walk the Line. And uh, I don't know that song, I just remember the phrase, because at the end of our rope, um, at the end of the line, so to speak, we might find, what, an impasse or an, 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 a, a moment that's very de- uh, descriptive of and then, the diagnosis came, and then my child, you know, you know, left the house, and I hadn't seen her in 15 years or something like that. Um, that's either the end of the story or it's the beginning of another one, because at the end of the line where Johnny Cash was walking, and I always think of Ron when I think of Johnny Cash from a class he did years back, um, where did his line take him as he walked it out? To an underwater cave, you know, not too far from here at Nickajack Lake, where he was uh, intending to commit suicide. And he came to the end of his line, I walk the line, and it didn't work. But at the end of his impasse um, was, in fact, the birth point of something entirely new, um, something entirely different, and something that was truly true. And that became then his, his story um, in Christ. And so. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of um, running with these next couple of weeks. These and then moments um, uh, when life turns on a dime, most often to the negative. We want to put those in a proper perspective and then, uh, with some expectancy, uh, see rightly when or if we will have one of these moments in a positive sense where I'm actually loved, um, irrespective of anything intrinsic. To me because when I look inside all I find is material that's not lovable now I know right there I'm making a lot of assumptions but you know that's kind of the you know the accumulation of all that I'm teach and, 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 and work here um, but when I find myself loved anyway um, well now that's life and that's real life the abundant life that John talks about in his gospel and that's uh, that's very rare. If you if you in your mind are thinking about I I've, I've had that. I know exactly what he's talking about and I have been loved like that before. You are really unique. There are people that, that that never taste that type of love. Um so any comments on that before we then turn to uh, to John 9 actually. I got to show y'all this really fantastic keynote that I put together so you can tell it's probably dripping with irony. So Yeah. Would you be addressing
1: people that have never had the good and, like you brought up, like Ms. Fontaine said, she dreamed that God would be forgiven. And God probably was forgiving, but
0: she didn't feel it while she was living and breathing. And, you know, a lot of other, you know, origins in those dark alleyways that probably did not feel they didn't have and on the too. Sure. Are
1: you going to be addressing that, or is that part of the plan?
0: Um what do you say to people like? Yeah, um I, I will address it. Let's do it now. Um uh, That's g- no, okay. It's, I, I set the course. Um yeah. uh, I'm not saying I have answers, I guess. What do we say about that? Now, and this is the way my brain thinks. Um you know, for all that we have and for all that I have in terms of privilege and, and the way I have been loved, in fact. Um I mean, human history. I mean, we got to go ahead and let's take the the, the the far view. I mean, how many people have lived and died in absolute and abject squalor, uh, abuse, disconnection, um, displacement, uh, where they've not known any any pivot point at all to the good? Um, millions and millions of people. Um, so what do we say to them? Uh, we say, I say, uh, the cross really matters. Um, I am going to get to that. I uh, will find a connection here at the very first part, and so even as we run out of time, we'll get there because I think it's in the third or fourth verse. What do we do with karma? In other words, um, because those lives, um, the Buddhists and others would say, well, they're just you know one part in the cycle of events, and they're paying for you know sins before. Well, that's you know, well, well let's just you know, take that. Um, we we. Let's turn into this. Let me hang that, and let's look at it um, where it goes. And this is all the PowerPoint. The keynote is, is just the text of John 9. So, um, And we may not get past this first paragraph, and that's fine. Um, Jesus heals a man born blind. Um, here's the first seven verses. As he passed by, he being um, Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, then he anointed the man's eyes with mud, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he, the man, went and washed and came back seeing. I'm going to stop and unpack this and, and see, you know, again, this may be where we stop, but it's a really good, good, good lead, Scott, I appreciate it. Um, so as Jesus passed by, he saw this man from birth. It's interesting, here's this focus on an individual. and uh, And in contrast to so many other instances, the man born blind... He's not screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, he's not trying to catch his attention. We'll notice in this story the man never asks to be healed. We're not even sure he knows that Jesus is there. Um, uh, very unusual. Um, he's definitely just an object. He's not a subject until Jesus approaches him, until Jesus approaches him. His disciples are passing by as the scene goes. You know, the beggars over there and they're walking, and the disciples say, what about him, Lord? How do you make sense of that? Who sinned? That man or his parents? You know, they don't have any interest in going over to the man, of helping him, of dropping in some, some, some coins into his, uh, into his purse. Um, uh, they're just wanting to, you know, a real question, but use him as an example, as an illustration in a real question. And that's noteworthy because Jesus enters the man. He comes to him. And there's that, there's that definite incarnation that always needs to be remembered that as, uh, as Jesus passed by, uh, there's that echo of Exodus that's always there, um, where uh, Jesus passed by Moses and revealed his glory after he passed, uh, where um, uh, after he passed by and he had hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. And then Moses was changed, certainly his and then moment. Um, I think there's always that echo as Jesus was passed by and saw a man from birth. It's also in where Jesus, in what story, in Mark, um, where he attended to pass by the disciples who were in the boat while the storm was raging. Um, but then the disciples saw him and cried out, Lord, Lord, save us. Um, and then he stopped and he displayed his glory. There's that same echo that's there. So as he passed by, he saw this man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So right away, we can connect to this. It doesn't take a whole lot of sort of exegesis to say, well, in you know first century Palestine, this was the common belief and all that. We still have it. I mean, it's still very present today. Um, something must have happened so that he came out this way. There must be a cause. I mean, there's these two classes going upstairs about parenting. You know, why is my kid behaving this way? You know, it must have been something I did, or it must have been something that that he did. Um, there's never just the answer of evil, <laughs> of sin, of the condition of 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 brokenness spread evenly and distributed throughout all of the world, where uh, good parents sometimes have really bad kids. It's just what it is, bad in the sense of of behavior and whatever else we want to sort of look at. And then likewise, sometimes great kids come out of really bad circumstances. Now, is that the rule? No, there's certainly lots to do about nurture and all that stuff, and that's a lot of my job, of course. Um, But still, um, I'm connecting, remember, an illustration. I don't remember the scene in Silence of the Lambs, but I remember the movie. Maybe somebody does, if you've seen it on TNT recently or something like that. Jodie Foster's character standing in the background, um, uh, and Hannibal Lecter's there, the, the Anthony Hopkins, and and Jodie Foster, sort of the cool scientist, is talking to maybe the treatment team or something like that. What happened to him? How did he turn out like the way? I mean, why is he such a such a killer and all that? And Anthony Hopkins in his close-ups, like Clarice, you know, and he goes through all that. It's like you know, I, and I can't, I don't have any idea what he said. But basically, what he said is, um, I don't fit. Your paradigms. You're trying to force me into the thought that something, somewhere down the line, uh, something happened to me that made me this way, and that's not true. And you and everybody uh, else—that's why there's so much fear of me, because you can't—you can't abide me. You can't abide the fact that I am just evil. Period. I just am. That's just the way it is. So that's in a strange way. Come to your good questions, God. What about the people that have never tasted real love, that animating love that turns things around for the positive, and all they have is the, uh, the negative? It's a hard answer, but it's the only answer, I think, that's, satisfying, that, that's satisfactory. Um, because what does Jesus say? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, uh, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let me approach this um, carefully, and we'll stop here. Um, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Uh, this dispels karma straight away. What is karma? What comes around, goes around, you know, quid pro quo, this for that, um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, I just really, really, really believe that, uh, uh, that, that uh, the good comes back to you. You know, I hear that a lot. We all do. Um, pay it forward, that's a form of karma. Um, anything where you think that uh, if I do a little bit now, I may never know it, but I'm going to sort of affect positive change in somebody else's life, etc. That's all karma. That's all karma. It is, it is hardwired in us. And is it completely false? It's not completely false. I mean, there is a causal part there. Um, love begets love, kindness begets kindness. Um, if I do a nice thing for somebody, that insurance commercial does it, where somebody sees somebody opening a door and they're over there, it's like wow. And then you know I'm a neighbor and so I do it the same thing for somebody else. Is that false? Well, not completely, no. Um, but and it's a big but. That's still karma. And to quote Bono, grace travels outside of karma, completely and wholly, because grace comes. Uh, when there is no just dessert. Grace comes when desert comes, even though desert comes to the unjust. So Jesus picks all that up, and, and he answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Sins are passed from the Father down through the generations. There is such a thing as consequences for behavior, for sinfulness, for, for attitudes, for abuse... You know, just any sexual abuse victim. Um, you know, you, you, you just, there's so much there. I don't, I'm not going to go forward for that. But, uh, that's a half-truth. The whole truth. Why was this man born blind? That the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, here's the bitter pill. Get some comeback on this. Why was this man born blind? Why do so many people live um, never knowing that? Uh, because God says so. Um, Because God said so. So that the works of God might be displayed. Um, What does that mean? Let me be really clear here. Um, God is not the author of evil. Um, Phrase that has been tremendously helpful to me. There is much, and it's a mysterious thing. There is much that happens in opposition to God's will. But nothing happens that is apart from God's will was a word that Frank Limehouse wrote years ago in one of his um, words from the dean. It's another way Jesus is approaching. Uh, this man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed through him. Um, does God want, quote-unquote, blindness? Absolutely not. That's why he is the light of the world. Um, does God want death? It, death is... I'm on the soapbox every week. No. Death is not part of the natural plan of life. That would be karma. Jesus stands absolutely and fundamentally against death as the author of life. It's why death died in the death of Christ. Um, Why do all these things happen seemingly without reason or cause? Um, We don't know. But we do know this. that nothing that is happens apart from the will of God. It's all these people that don't have a pivot point, that pivot point that I'm talking about to the positive, where it's a love that actually, uh, like Johnny Cash experienced, at the end of the line, um, when, when he really meets the, the, uh, the wall that he can't fix, that nothing intrinsic in him, there's no resource that he can bring forward anymore to do anything to it, uh, but he was found and and saved. Uh, much happened that was in opposition to the will of God in his life, uh, but nothing happened that was apart from the will of God in his life. That will which speaks a word and creates, that will which is active and brings about um, uh, all things according to his good purposes. I'm thinking of Philippians here. Um, the bitter pill. Why do those things happen? I'm going to stop uh, because, uh, in a hidden way, they're hidden in God. Um, can I explain that? No. Um, is that the same thing as say God is the author of evil? I want to stand and say absolutely not. But how is that different from things happening in opposition to His will, but not apart from it? I don't really know. Well, how can you say that they do because of the cross? Because of the cross It is the the, Really it's the one word It's the one word of God um, That in this moment Of forsakenness And desolation And abandonment And suffering uh, All things and all manner of things Are made well Um, Not just in this life uh, Because many won't ever taste that But certainly um, Somewhere hidden in God for, uh, For the true time um I think I'll stop there. So, yeah, Lee? Well, just a couple of things. The karma thing, mm-hmm.
1: wrestle with that. Um, control, you want to have control. So if I believe in that, then when I do this, it has to come back to me. So I want good to come, so I start with me, and then it will come back to me. So that's me controlling. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. That's not God... That's in my mind. That's not really God being in control of that, but that you know is the opposite of you know He says you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. He does. And so you know when we do good things, we're planting good seeds, but He's in charge of the growth. So we don't know when we will reap that harvest. We might look to I might look to you for you to bless me back, but it might be somebody else that blesses me twenty years down the road. Absolutely, same. Um, but also with that, I was you know, reminded of um, when Lazarus died, mm-hmm. and you know his sisters were so upset, and he had stayed away. Jesus had um, intentionally, intentionally, and what he said was that he did that so that they would see the bigger miracle. Mm-hmm. And he 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 blessed them by showing them that bigger miracle, but they had to suffer with their misunderstanding and a darkened view of Him. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess what I say is when I wrestle with things like that, I'm always prayerful that God will show me His perspective, that He will give me His eyes to see, because I don't often see the blessings that He gives me, because I'm looking for it to be a different way. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I would say, check, 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 check. Um, just to feedback a little bit of what I... Response... Um, had that same verse, you reap what you sow, in mind. when I was thinking of this, that, that uh, it's not completely wrong who sinned, this man or his parents. Um, the full description that comes to my mind, what do I sow? I sow envy, strife, malice, anger, these things that come out of the heart, Jesus would say. And those things come back, absolutely. Um, it's really not in me to sow love. Because then, great timing, this happens all the time. Joe's sermon, First Corinthians 13, that's me keeping a record of, of rights. Um, that's love keeping a record, which is not love. That's something else, um, but it's not love. Does that mean it's bad? Here, a good, healthy view of two planes, humanly speaking, no, it's not awful. I mean, it's not like damnable, et cetera, and so forth. But on the vertical plane, those things are awful because they keep us from God and they're damnable. Our good things are damnable. Because they keep me from God, recognizing that he is God and I am not. And I try to keep traveling inside some karmic circle that I'm doing okay. You know, I really i am spending more time with my kids than I'm away from them. So they must be okay. Okay in God, okay in world's eyes, etc. and so forth. And that doesn't always happen. And when you get rammed up against the wall, just using kids as an example, um, you don't have any place to go. Uh, And we need someplace else to go. Um, Someplace that travels outside of that that cycle of you reap what you sow. Jesus was speaking truth. It's a common truth, like the Proverbs. They just speak plain truth. But it's not that special truth of, look, you don't reap what you sow, but I do. And I'm going to sow the good seed amidst your thorns and your rocky heart. Uh, the rocky soil and the thorny uh, uh, the thorny brambles and the, 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 the hard path and, and where the birds come in and eat it up and everything else, and I'm going to bring about what I want, irrespective of you. Um, so I'll stop there. Thanks. Yeah. Um, One more comment sorry, and then we'll wrap oh, up.
1: Sorry for the disciples and as they say, rabbi who sin the Spanish parents. They just assume that somebody sin. Mm-hmm the Old Testament I can't quote where it was but it's least because of this you'll be cursed in the third generation That's right. on and, on That's right. so, and of course Jesus refutes it but was that the first time that changed or were they wrongly interpreting the Old Testament and from the Old Testament itself could you come up with the true knowledge of
0: this yeah time great time? question I want to say yes um, but but you wouldn't be able to do it without the Holy Spirit I'm not just sort of saying that to give a good answer. Um, You had to have a lens through which to see this. And that cross, the cross event, really gave us that lens. Another way of reframing that question, is the Old Testament all law and all sort of wrath and fury and rules? And no, it speaks very plainly about the law bringing about the end of a life. Is not my word like a hammer, says the Lord from one other things, or the describing the heart above all else as a stony heart, um, a place where a seed can find no purchase. Uh, but then that same hammer of God, um, there's that novel upstairs which is worth reading by Bo Geertz, um, that hammer of God comes and it crushes that stony heart and then the Lord replaces it with a heart of flesh upon which his name is written. Now that's grace. That's as clear as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an instant of grace in anywhere in the scripture. Um, uh, so could 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 you find it you, you can um, did people you know, n- know that the Holy Spirit hadn't given it that and the cross wasn't there yet and in the fullness of time it hadn't even revealed except to some of those prophets like Isaiah and some others but it's full weight had not yet been known um, and so yeah a lot of compassion with the disciples I mean they're they're speaking you know half truth and um, Oh, in here. I went to the Justin Bieber concert. I said it. (laughs) I went to the Justin Bieber concert. You know, I did, actually. It was pretty good. Um, This 18-year-old kid, and it's all about love, and it's all about believe and faith. You know, these are religious words, but it has no object. It's just, you know, I believe. I have faith. And I even read something yesterday. It's this article in Newser about, you know, about famous people who are pro-life, and Bieber um, said something about it. And he's like, I just really believe all things happen for a reason. And he even used the word, the qualifier, really. So it's like, okay, well, if you really believe. It, you know. <laughs> I just really believe all things And is that true? Well, of course it's true. But is it true? No, it's not true at all. Um, it's only true if it has some sort of object upon which to hang that. Um, uh, and that object would be an Actual event of God In this world um, Which demonstrates this type of love That I'm speaking about, the cross uh, That I believe all things Happen for a reason Because of Christ Massive Collision with my nature um, Through the cross Now I believe things have a reason Even this bitter pill Bitter for me even to speak it um, outside of that I just really believe all things happen for a reason really I mean Gavroche you know lives and dies and that 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 you know and millions like him uh, and that all had a reason there's no reason for that there's no purpose in a kid dying when he's eight years old and, you know the Spanish I mean the uh, the French Revolution there's no there's no laudable higher good that comes out of that um, and the cross has to speak to that, to to, to to redeem. There's the old word. So love, believe, faith. In what? Faith in what? Belief in what? Um, you know, that's the question. So, let's hit pause. Um, we'll continue this with Lazarus next week, and uh, and see where this goes. So let me pray, Lord, for this uh, word um, delivered so feebly by me. I pray that you would. Take it and strengthen it and multiply it. Especially where it really echoes with such deep um, uh, questions. um, Questions that really uh, intersect with with some of the hard questions that we have about our own life or history or who you are um, and how you've done something uh, uh, in your world. Uh, Enlighten us as the light of the world that has come into the world. Um, Give us grace, to uh, find the lens through the cross, to see things as they actually are in a way that would uh, give us a true sense of of a pivot point of that type of love which you have already given. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.